space, time, life, death. It is all but a plaything to I, Christy Luna Saturnine, the Omniversal Magistrix, ruler of the infinite Earths. What's this? What? Dark magics have fallen over them, Boda boys? No, no, no. This will not do. From such primal chaos come change, and from change, growth. So rise, grow, be free from your curse. I salute you, magnificent though you were as podcasters, all a person might wish to be. Now, you can do much more, because you have become legends. Now, go talk about comics. Hey everyone, and welcome to the all-new, all-different Battle of the Atom. This is your Reborn X-Men podcast, where we rank every story from Alpha to Omega. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, how are you feeling on this glorious day? I feel good. Like, really rejuvenated, you know? Like, 100% less vampire? Yeah, I feel, I feel like... I feel like we got into some deep lore on the podcast <laughs> we sure did we we became inaccessible to the general general public and we said y'all this is this is a lot of complicated stuff we need a clean house we need to do some retcons uh so that so that at our new number one as i'm calling it our real 151th episode <laughs> we can we need we need to clear the table so that by 152 people can come in and really, really enjoy and embrace the good, good content that we have available to them. Without any werewolves, mummies, vampires, Draculas, I don't think Frankensteins. we had any mummies. <laughs> or Frankensteins. <laughs> Maybe in a future episode. Look, man, uh, road to 300. We're on it, baby. That's we right. Are, uh, we are riding down that road. Uh, but we would not be riding down that road without our very good Patreon supporters. Just like uh, Jeremy Thomas, who went over to Patreon.com, he grabbed some money out of his wallet, and he said, Y'all, I'd like you to talk about X-Men forever. X-Men forever. That is the, uh, the, the, the thing where Claremont picks up where he stopped writing after X-Men 3, right? You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? <laughs> ah, this is a different X-Men Forever. Uh, this the- is the original X-Men Forever, not X-Men Forever 2, which, <laughs> why they didn't call it X-Men Forever After, I will never know. Um, no. This, um, Adam, have you read the Kurt Busiek story, Avengers Forever? I've never read that, no. Oh my gosh, me either. All I know about it is it's some Kang stuff and some continuity and Rick Jones. And I checked out whenever someone started talking about that. I hear <laughs> it's good, but I also hear it's good if you're an Avengers fan and reel into that Avengers deep lore, which I am less so. Well, you you then maybe you need an X-Men series that's, that's so steeped in uh, the canon that it needs a bibliography in each issue. What do you think? Are, are you talking about like an X-Men grand design level <laughs> bibliography at the back that says, by the way, all this continuity came from here, 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 and here. I did my homework. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And that is exactly what Fabian Nicieza, writer of the original Papa X-Men. Fabe, my personal best friend. Forever. Uh, and I guess artist uh, Kevin McGuire also is contributing to these bibliographies too. But um, yeah, he's doing the whole dang thing. He's drawing all those pretty pictures. Because we're bouncing around in time here. This is a, a weird lineup and a very strange idea for a story. So, what's the basic premise here? So it's January two thousand one. About about six months ago, X Men movie came out and it was hot, hot. Everyone hot. talking about that movie. Everyone's like, man, that Australian boy 
with with the uh, muscles and the knives in his hands. He's great. I also like this angry bald man riding around in his little chair. <laughs> and his boyfriend who can control metal from his plastic prison. And WWE wrestler Tyler Maine as Sabretooth. <laughs> no, so everyone what... was talking about Rebecca Romaine Stamos walking around in a real movie that a lot of people saw just butt naked, covered in blue scales. And no one wasn't talking about that in the year 2000. At least no one was, wasn't was talking about it in my fourth grade class. <laughs> no, that was a big deal. I remember that they uh, they had to hide her from like the rest of the cast. They didn't want anybody to take any, uh, any paparazzi pictures of her before the movie came out because they figured it would be such a big deal. Um, that'll come back up later. Yeah, this, that's uh, oddly relevant to this. It's very relevant. Um, but this series, strangely enough, picks up after a character that I remember asking you about. You had warned me about this coming back uh, somewhere along the line. <laughs> and that is everybody's favorite ship, uh, Prosh, is making you talk his about return. Professor Ship? <laughs> yes. You talking about Professor Ship? Because his, his name Prosh is just Professor and Ship smashed together? Just pick one. You know what I mean? Like it's Prosh, baby. You don't need to make an amalgam of the two. Just, just, just pick one. Um, it's Prosh, this character that appeared in one issue of X Force that everyone remembers. Well, he's here to uh, really perpetrate some time travel shenanigans, if if you will, right? Yes. So Prosh recruits uh, a handful of characters. We're talking about Iceman, we're talking about Gene, we're talking about Mystique, we're talking about Toad, and we are talking about the Juggernaut. Hmm. That's a strange lineup. Yeah, it's it's the most enduring X-Men, the X-Men that will last forever. <laughs> uh, well, and there's a reason they're selected, supposedly, but um, we don't really get an idea of what that is until later on in the, the mini, but we spend a good... Four or five issues, just sort of like doing, 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 pinballing around uh, different corners of the X history, if you will. They slowly go back in time. First, I don't know if I would say slowly. I mean, it's like every three pages they're doing another time shift. (laughs) But they go through a lot in that time shift. Yes, they do. They go, they go all the way back to the start of the universe. (laughs) Um. They do That's that. That's right. Yep. Uh, and in between, they go to different places like what everyone was doing uh, when Graydon Creed got assassinated to fill in that loophole. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened when Toad got got abducted, abducted by, by the stranger. stranger. Uh, they talk <laughs> about Juggernaut being in several holes. Juggernaut spends most of this book trapped under rubble, and he's like, ah, beans, I'm here again. Goes back in time 10 years. Ah, beans, I'm in the rubble again. Spider-Man did put me in wet cement. Right. I'm hungry. (laughs) That's a good gag. There's good gags in here. Actually, there's a lot of good character stuff. My favorite character stuff, uh, there's a lot with Mystique and Destiny that's actually incredibly well done. Yes, that is uh, the redeeming... A bit of this story which um like just spoiler alert i was not a fan of but i oh it's bad it's I very bad really did like some of the uh the scene work with uh mystique and destiny um but there is an overarching idea here that i guess prosh has been sent here for a specific reason yes yeah so he's if you remember prosh is professor ship he is mm-hmm. the He's the professor, which was the AI that helped raise Cable after uh, after Slim and Red, his parents, went back into the future, past wherever. Yep. So he was raised by a robot AI that was also Apocalypse's celestial house for a little bit. <laughs> I, I do love the timeline of Ship, but uh, this is pushing it a little bit. Yeah, because... You know, the Celestials deal, they go to a planet, they uh, start life on it, the Celestials made the Deviants, and they made the Eternals, uh, and, 
you know, humans kind of came out from that. Uh, and it, and then mutants spun off of humans, and it was this whole thing. And the Celestials are going to come back to see if anyone else is worthy of joining the uh, interstellar uh, community. And if they're not, a Celestial will give you a thumbs down and step on your house. <laughs> your house being, you all die. Bud, do you think uh, Arshem, the judge, uh, is going to uh, show up in the sometime upcoming Walt Disney feature film, The Eternals. Man, if there aren't Celestials in that movie, I'm not sure why they made it. (laughs) I mean, he is the leader of the fourth host of Celestials. (laughs) He better show up. Um, But the the Celestials are are threatened because the mutant kind is apparently going to eventually what? Like, take over the universe? Is that the, the gambit here? Okay, so, so... These five, not mutants, but specifically humans, some of which who are mutants, uh, were selected because they each embody one very specific quality that will allow humankind to ascend greater than the Celestials and into the uh, elemental concepts of the universe. I'm talking about order and chaos and eternity, you know. The Doctor Strange stuff. Yeah, cosmic Marvel stuff. Yeah, the big the the big stuff. Uh and that's gonna take some time, but Prosh is kind of bored. Uh and instead of letting that kind organically move on to being the aspects of, you know, divin- divinity and all things in the universe, uh he, he just brings them forward to do it now except for the stranger you remember the stranger right adam the very famous x-men oh, yeah. character that jack kirby made the, the stranger, stranger who is his part of cosmic marvel and uh he ain't he ain't super psyched about all of this but thank god that toad spent some time with him yeah yeah the stranger's also at the end of the universe and I can't even explain. He gets really big and the X-Men punch him. <laughs> That's what happens. It's it's nonsense that not only ends up with that, but it also ends with both Toad and Mystique turning into their counterparts from X-Men the movie. Which I feel like Toad. Toad you could have just said. Let, let's see. Let's let's. Let's set the scene. It's 2001. And it's early 2001. It's June when that issue comes out. Uh, By September? Maybe August? Morrison's gonna come. And he's gonna say, y'all, secondary mutations are a thing. Right. They could have just done that. (laughs) If they wanted movie mystique, Wu never shows up again. Thank God. Uh, it's only for a few pages here. Um, I think there is Rogue turns into movie mystique once during Extreme X Men, but like the next it, time Mystique Mystique shows up, she's not movie mystique. She's regular yeah, mystique. Exactly. As she should be. Now Toad is still movie Toad, but he just kind of looks like he's Toad, but he got a haircut and it's 2004. <laughs> It's like, guys, I'm I'm not I'm not a weird '50s jester. I'm a regular person with a weird tongue now. Yeah. So for a couple panels here, he kind of looks like Ray Park, but um, you know, talking about Darth Maul. Yeah, he's got his Darth Maul look for for just a, a brief bit. Um, this it's is a whole lot of nonsense. Maul. I did not like it. Um, it's so the thing is, it's bad and it's confusing. Adam. I had a revelation, though, as I was reading it. Yeah, you were saying this reminded you of something else, which I was kind of surprised by. Yeah, this is Powers of Ten, but if Powers of Ten was bad. It's about mutants rising up and their godhood finding out that literally they will always lose. Finding all of these core mutants who together can create something incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. it's got all of the bones of powers of 10, but so you, none of the quality. 
I yes. love Fabian Nicieza. He's great. <laughs> friend of the show. He did not to Fabian, Bud, I know you're listening. Wasn't your best. Wasn't your best work. It's You've done better. And I'm, I'm sure you were busy. Fabes did his homework. He clearly had, you know, some passion going into this project. You can tell by the way that he writes about it in the uh, bibliography pages. However, the actual, um, the actual execution of it is not great. I mean, the, the mystique issue aside, which I think is number two, um, it's just busy. You know what I mean? Like it's scene after scene after scene. And it's like, we're in this part of the timeline. Now we're in this part of the timeline now. And yeah, the gag with juggernaut is kind of funny, but like it gets old. Um, the black womb stuff is here, which is like, Oh, we forgot to talk about black womb and the secret history of the boom of mutants. That doesn't really get brought up. It touches on it. Yeah. They, they, Mike Carey does stuff with it in his run. Yeah. But they don't do enough with it. No, I mean, it's it's big time brought up that it's Xavier's father and... Yep. Um, Xavier's father and Cain Marco's father. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Black Womb herself. Uh, Mr. Sinister's there. Irene Adler is there. You know, from Dr. Uh, from uh, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, you know, Mystique, Mystique's no. wife, Mystique's wife, Irene Adler from Sherlock Holmes. Yes, Adam. Yeah. So we, we do get, it's a good reference. Um, we do get, uh, scenes of like babies and sort of like, uh, chemistry jars and we get references to Mr. Sinister. We get, you know, like we get these hints of all this stuff about the origin of mutant kind, but it never really pays off to anything. You know what I mean? Nope. Nope, so, doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. So I, I can't wholeheartedly recommend this. If you are a mystique... And... I can't half-heartedly recommend it. <laughs> it's bad. Look, Kevin Maguire does a really nice job with the artwork. I think it has a couple of redeeming qualities. If you're a Mystique Destiny fan, you might want to search out the, that second issue, maybe even the third oh, yeah, issue. Nice. But, you know, as soon as it starts to go cosmic, I I, I don't know, it flatlined for me. I... I just lost it you know and that's the when that's when it really should be getting exciting and it's not super exciting to see the stranger pop up oh the stranger he's weird he's got a wild mustache he does it's really cool it's it's super uh like it's like a a a giant w like it's a a weezer logo on his face kind of you know well are you you saying he has the wario mustache yeah (laughs) he he has wario's mustache the angry smelly mario i mean they're like two big check marks white check marks that hang off the side of each of his face it's a good look he's a gonna win i'm the stranger (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh we've got this big old list zach uh we got a big old list. It's got 381 stories wow. on it. That's a lot. The number one Stark Phoenix. It's pretty good. I skipped 100. It's End of Grays. And then 200 is that Purple Era X-Force. Ooh. 300 is Operation Zero Tolerance from X-Man 30. This is worse than that, by the way. Um, and 381's the Draco. Um, so... Th- <laughs> This is bottom 300. I would agree. Um, I think we're... Ne- hey, weird cosmic nonsense. Yeah, give me some... Oh, Iceman Volume 1 is definitely better than this. That's a 337. Yeah, 337, Iceman Volume 1. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like we're on the same kind of level as like Pint Size X-Baby's Murderama at 346. We're around there. I'm looking at 356 is X-Men Liberators Mm. and Psylocke and Archangel Crystal Dawn. Both nothing nonsense stories. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. A couple spots down from that. Okay. 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 I, I pegged it. I know where we're at. Okay. Where are we going? At number 361 is Marvel Superheroes Quarterly Special 6 through 8, the Roy Thomas Return to the Outback. 
Uh, and right below that is the Shatterstar Saga from X-Force. Hmm. Yeah, like, is... we're in the same realm. Like, up above that, uh, 359 is Excalibur 1 through 4, Forging the Sword, uh, which was what? Is that Volume 2? Volume 3? That, that's... Volume 3 of Excalibur. Yeah, that was bad. Um, the... Mm, is this worse than... 360, which is X-Men 34 to 36 Messiah Complex. Yeah, because that one just has a really good splash page of Date Gray looking silly. All right. That's I think all this that is better. Is. I feel like this is a, better than the Roy Thomas uh, Aussie story, because Roy Thomas clearly had not been reading the book. Like Fabian. Oh, not at all. We, we should give Fabian points for doing his homework and for McGuire uh, doing some nice artwork here. What do you think? This could be our new 361. I, uh, so you want to go above Messiah Complex or below Messiah Complex? Uh, I'll leave it up to you. Where, where do you think it goes? I'm calling it below. I I was just sitting here thinking, which one of these would I rather read again? <laughs> I'd rather read that story where Nick Gray wears a Pixie's baby doll tee. <laughs> well, there Purple you go. Man's there, I guess. All right. Well, unfortunately, folks, that was one that... Uh, you know, we, we probably won't be revisiting anytime soon. Where are we going next, Zach? Oh, we're going to continue our multiversal nonsense and go to X-Men Die by the Sword 1 through 5, written by Chris Claremont with pencils by Juan Santa Cruz and Kafu. Wow, I uh, was not expecting when I saw this title that this was going to be an Exiles story. This is a Claremont Exiles story. This is a Claremont Exiles and New Excalibur story. This is his New Excalibur run ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they ended Exiles number one at about the same time. and Or Exiles volume one at about the same time. And they used this as a bridge series to Exiles or the all new exiles Mm -hmm. or whatever new exiles i think it was called uh which continues claremont uh doing exiles so it's a big weird cast oh yeah uh is the thing about big big cast and and we've got roma here we've got um we've got opal saturnine um as well and and we also have some really weird villains like uh rogue mort Rouge Mort? Rouge, I don't know who Rouge Mort, sorry. I don't know what Rouge Mort's deal is, but it's very weird to have Rouge Mort in a story and then a alternate ver- alternate reality version of Rogue because those words look real similar when you're just reading. <laughs> well, and Rouge Mort like is able to somehow like just overpower Psylocke, which just I, I don't think Makes I don't any know sense. what Rouge Mort's deal is, except for they have a very strong suit. Yeah, they're they're in sort of like a vacuum sealed like orange bond- fetish suit. Yeah, they're, they're they're in a Claremont fetish super suit with like red Princess Leia hair buns, and then has a gun. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. I don't know what Chris Claremont was up to in 2007, 2008, but it was weirdly horny. I mean, it wasn't just then. <laughs> Let's be clear. He's a kinky man. <laughs> oh, just wait till next week, Adam. Guys, we have to... Adam, we can't... We can't kink shame Claremont this episode. Oh, I don't want to shame him. I, I'm I'm legitimately curious uh, where where he gets his inspirations from. But... I am not is the thing. <laughs> I I am perfectly fine not knowing where he gets his particular inspiration because Chris Claremont is old, and that's I'm happy for him. Uh, and whatever he does, I would like him to do it somewhere else is the thing it's not my it's not my jam and i i feel like it's fair that i can opt out of learning more uh that's that's fine i don't think anybody's gonna ask him about it anyway um oh bud after anyway you know... <laughs> all right so these... Any, we can't cons are done cons are over we can't do it we'll forget about it <laughs> So the two teams sort of, uh, uh, meet at a party. Uh, there's some, there's some good reunions, um, like John Proudstar 
and um, Nocturne get back together. Dazzler yeah, learns that Longshot doesn't Trump. remember her. That part's weird. Yeah. That part's weird. Also weird that Dazzler and Pete Wisdom do hook up in a bathroom. Yeah, it's so weird. And, like, uh, Dazzler spends a good chunk of a part of the story, like, in Pete Wisdom's shirt and her underpants. Like, they actually end up back at Exile's headquarters, and she's still dressed that way. Look, man. Chris Claremont writes very specific scripts. <laughs> well, and... The big bad of this story is um, a, a real callback to uh, old Captain Britain. We've got uh, Jaspers here. Mad Jim Jaspers. Mad Jim Jaspers. I l- have you read? Have you read the Morin Davis and everyone else who was doing that Captain Britain stuff? No, I mean the only reason I know anything about it is just from listening to the recaps on Explain the X Men, and doesn't do it justice. The Jaspers warp just sounds wild. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Old school Captain Britain is proto-Watchmen, and it rules. Hmm. Like, Alan Moore did, like, three Watchmen's before he did Watchmen. Makes sense. That's gotta, not a Gotta joke. warm up, you know what I mean? Yeah, but he was warming up with the same thing. Like, it's weird that... We're not a Watchmen podcast. It's weird that you can read Miracle Man... And then the Captain Britain story, and then Watchmen be like, "Oh, well, well, Alan, you're kind of, kind of being a little repetitive here. Kind of hitting on the same <laughs> themes. Maybe you want to, maybe you want to spread your spread your wings, Alan Moore, very famous comic book writer." Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um. Um. Anyway, Mad Jim Jasper's rules actually, uh, he, and he also has his the Fury. It kills superheroes. Yeah. And uh, pretty much decimates the Captain Burton Corps uh, after they try to just take this this group of Furies and Jaspers down. Um, doesn't go so well. No, uh, Brother Brit Man, my favorite Captain Britain, does die. Yeah, he does get he does get eviscerated by the Fury. Brother Brit Man is the hippie Captain Britain, <laughs> right? Right. From up. Uh, Earth 65, that is the Spider-Gwen universe. <laughs> He's pretty great. Um, so there, there's just like kind of a big fist fight where Jaspers keeps changing his outfit. And, and uh, you know, uh, eventually they, they are able to uh, take him down. And um, it, it's not, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a whole thing with Merlin pulling the strings to take the control back. Uh, yeah, Merlin's working with Jaspers in the Fury and Rouge Mort, while Roma is working with Opal Luna Saturnine uh, and the Exiles in Excalibur to protect them. And then it all kind of ends. They they beat up. They beat up everybody. They get saved. Also, Dave Cockrum and Patty Cockrum are just hanging out. Okay, can you explain this to me? Because no. they pop up in the middle of like. The, it's a six issue mini. I think they pop up somewhere in the fourth issue without any introduction whatsoever. And yeah, uh, I don't really understand. Obviously, there is uh, an, an effort here by Chris to, you know, memorialize his, his very good friends. Um, but I am very unclear as to what their role in this story was. Yeah, I've got no idea what their role is. They kind of just show up on a splash page at the end with everyone's smiling faces around them. And Dave Cockrum deserves all the credit in the world. Uh, absolutely, he created so many incredible characters that we all love to this day. We're talking about Storm and Colossus and Nightcrawler. I mean, he's he's Dave Cockrum. He's a legend. I don't know how memorializing him here makes narrative sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really nice that Claremont wanted to do this for his for his friends, but I just it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So that aside, I mean, if if you like classic Captain Britain and you want to see some more Jasper's stuff, I, I mean, this isn't like the worst thing in the world. It's, but it is essentially a messy Excalibur exile story. So you have to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's messy is the right word. I think 
one of the challenges, the first time I read this, I had not read any of the old Captain Britain stuff. Mm-hmm. In this comic from 2007, does expect that you have read these 80s comics that have been poorly in print. Oh, yeah. They are, they, these, are, these ones are annoying to find. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird ask of, we're not going to explain any of this continuity. You know about this Marvel UK series, right, guys? <laughs> and that's a very Excalibur thing. Don't get it twisted. It's very Excalibur to assume that you have read all of Captain Britain. It's not great though. Yeah. It's just not a it's it's not done well and it makes me sad because I like dope Excalibur stuff. It's fun, it's weird, it's wild. I like some Exile stuff. I don't necessarily like The Exiles are kind of a weird non-factor in this. Well, they They don't do much except for Psylocke being on the team. Yeah. And and the problem is that like it's tying these threads together between the two volumes of Exiles, but and they're a huge cast. I think there's like a dozen of them. And yet... Well, and half of these Exiles are brand, brand new characters. Right. To the Exiles. Cat Pride is incredibly new. Uh, Raven uh, is very, very new. Uh, I forget who else. There's a... I think there's... Oh, yeah. There's a rogue that's very new. Thunderbird just came back from a very long stint of being dead. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's a lot of catching up it's, to do, and yeah, uh, it 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 doesn't allow it to kind of focus on what the actual uh, adventure is uh, of the story. So, um, I don't know. I mean, if you like, I guess my recommendation would be if you like Jasper's, you probably want to check this out. But or if you're like, you know, you like Captain Britain Corps, you want to read a Captain Britain Corps story. This has a lot of that, but it. it it doesn't really tie together very cohesively. I would say it doesn't. It's much more say, in line with like I have highlighted three thirteen on our list, which is the one hundredth issue of Ex- Exiles, the one that immediately preceded this. Yes, yeah, like it's it's about on that level, right? That's Maybe, fair. Uh, before you know? before I throw out my ranking, I will say that I do think Juan Santa Cruz does a really good Alan Davis impersonation. Sure, like. He's he's not Alan Davis. No, he is not. But he's like <laughs> he's he's stylistically very close, and I like that. Um, what I'm looking at is right around that spot. I think you're right. Uh, is this better than the New Mutants Follow the Mutants story? Um, I mean that does have Bird Brain in it. Yeah, never mind it. Mm, oh, mm, but it does have Doug's really sad death. Hey, Adam, I'm going to say a weird sentence. Yeah, go ahead. And it's a sentence we've said before, but it is a weird sentence to say. <laughs> go ahead. IVX is better than this. Yeah. IVX is at 318, and IVX is better than this. Is this better than that issue of Excalibur where we had Krakoa Jr.? Three twenty four. No, it's not, actually. It's not. It's. I think it's just... Okay. We are in very much the right spot. This is probably better than Blood of the Apocalypse. Blood of Apocalypse at three twenty eight. I would agree. I think it's probably better than Poptopia at three twenty seven. I think Apocalypse versus Dracula is better than this. I think so too. So that would make it our new three twenty seven. This is our new three twenty seven, guys. We are not a. We are. This is not really a recommendations episode. <laughs> this is more of a digging through some confusing things. <laughs> This is more of a acknowledgments and understandings episode <laughs> because again, we're taking a lot of old continuity, we're sweeping it under the rug mm-hmm. so that later uh, we can deal with things. Much like uh, Alan Davis did have to do uh, during his two year, but really was only supposed to be one arc, but it kept being one more arc run on X- the X Men books, oh, both X Men books, where he wraps it up with the twelve. Apocalypse the 12. Uh, Alan Davis and Terry Cavanaugh do some of the books on this. Roger Cruz does some art. Joe Pruitt and Rob Liefeld, they're here. Oh, boy. Mike Miller is here. Uh, more Alan Davis. Uh, Fabian Nicieza and Eric Larson are on this one. Wasn't expecting uh, that. Ben Herrera <laughs> is on it. 
and then also uh, Joe Pruitt and Bernard Chang does an issue. Uh, there's a lot to the 12. It is, just so everyone is aware, uh, oh, dang it. It doesn't show those issue numbers. I've got it. I've second. got it. It's uh, Uncanny 376, Cable Volume 175, X-Man 59, uh, X-Men 96, Wolverine Volume 2, 146 and 147, X-Man 60, Uncanny X-Men 377, uh, cable 76 and it concludes in x-men 97 um right oh boy right it's a lot jumping around They're... so the 12 adam the 12 you mean the 12 that was predicted by the uh master mold sentinel that attacks cyclops back in x factor yeah the, the 12 who were promised yes <laughs> that 12 yeah the 12 from 20 20- or from 15 years ago. Yes, the 12. Hmm. Um, I'm sure this was have been... very much thought about beforehand and not cobbled together at the last second. And <laughs> Yes, this was obviously Chris Claremont's original master plan, uh, <laughs> along with his good friend Wheezy. Um, trying to put all this together, this is, this is really what they planned all those years back, is that the 12 would be 12 mutants put into a very powerful machine, uh, that would cycle all of their energy through the living pharaoh, or the living monolith, Amat Abdol, who would then shoot all of that energy into Apocalypse so Apocalypse could merge with Nate Gray, X-Man, the cloned child of an alternate reality, G. Gray and Scott Summers, so that Apocalypse could transfer his essence into that body and rule for another billion years. So that was the original plan, wasn't it? <laughs> no way. No way, Jose. I mean, it, it <laughs> the convoluted nature of this, I mean, it makes, it, <laughs> we get to a point where they're literally pulling Bishop out of his own miniseries for like a couple pages. Just Not just Bishop. Havoc too. Yeah. Yeah. Havoc's it, in Mutant X right now. Bishop's the last X-Man. They're in different timelines and realities, and they pull them in for this one. <sighs> I mean, the first thing that's really easy just to pick on is what we're talking about. The actual so, so-called so master plan, which somebody pointed out is, I forget, and I'm, I apologize for whoever uh, made this connection, but it's not all that different from what we just talked about in the last episode with the secret empire, like, wheel of fortune with the mutants. Like... It's oddly similar, right? Yes. Like they, he throws them into ping pong balls, and then they like spin around roulette wheel style, I guess. And like they're all representing a different element, or you know, it's like Captain Planet style. I, I just don't get it. Like, and of course, it all leads up to uh, Cyclops getting merged with uh, Apocalypse. Can I tell you something, Adam? Like, I, I, well, and. That's not even, like, the bulk of the story. I know, but can I tell you something? Yeah, please, share. I realized, talking to some friends while, about this story. Yeah, yeah. That if this was just Wizard Apocalypse doing this, I'd have no problem with this convoluted plan. That would make sense. Oh, it's wizard stuff. This is magic. Yeah. No, he has to do it as a weird science Yeah, thing. yeah. No, Wizard Apocalypse makes so much more sense in here. Give Teeny Howard the 12. <laughs> and let her... Well, retcon the 12. Tell, like, no, Apocalypse is doing a wizard thing. Let him... Let him set up his barriers and his auras. We will put a chart that you will not understand in this one <laughs> so that you can set up your own, uh, you know, casting circles. That would make a heck of a lot more sense. Um, it really would. But, I mean, the bulk of this story is really, a, I mean, maybe we should just, can we start with the, the cable Liefeld issue because the bulk of the bulk of this story is really about Wolverine has been transformed into uh death, death quote unquote which I, can I can I just go on a little soapbox rant about apocalypse go on a soapbox uh, apocalypse uh horseman please uh, aside from the uncanny uh x-force run why do the, the horsemen always look so stupid? Like, 
Take a cue. Hey, I don't know, bud. Take a cue from Walt Simonson and make whoever is the key horseman look cool. Like, think about what he did from Angel to Archangel. He turned him into like some kind of glow in the dark, almost Tron looking thing. And then Wolverine gets turned into death. And what? He's got like, uh, he's wearing a skull on his pants. Like, who cares? He doesn't look, he looks like Sinyaka from the Acolytes. It's not, it's not visually interesting at all. Um, so when we have to wrestle for the soul of Wolverine, like, I just, sorry. And I, then I went no, off track bad. because, because we, we get an entire issue of, of, of cable and apocalypse making moony faces at each other. Like they're going to make out when they're supposed to be like battling to the death. Yeah, it's um <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not great. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Like like Cable 75 is supposed to be this, you know, ultimate battle between these two foes who have fought each other through time and it just comes down to these like series of one-page uh splash pages by Liefeld that I don't even know what they're doing. They're sort of like mid jazzercise routine. Like I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to disparage this too much, but like talk about Adam, you rarely disparage the way I disparage. (laughs) So this is, this is, I'm sitting back. My feet are up. I'm listening to this. Like, okay, this is what it's like to listen to the podcast. Listen, this entire story really could be encapsulated in like, what? Two issues. Something like that. There's a weird thing where Apocalypse is teamed up with the scrolls, by the way. Oh yeah. We didn't even mention that. He's, he's teaming up. Yeah, That's nonsense. He's teaming up with not only the scrolls, but a bunch of white guys who are dressed up like King Tut. They're in like Pharaoh costumes that they got from party city. King Tut, the villain from uh, (laughs) Batman, the Batman show. (laughs) Like, because they look like King Tut from the Batman show from the city. It's so stupid. And, and I guess they're the followers of the living monolith. And the scrolls are there. Why? Because Cadre K is involved in this story too. I'll be honest. I've read it multiple times. Don't know what the heck Alan Davis was doing with those scrolls. Maybe he just wanted to draw some scrolls. I mean, that's a distinct they, well, the, possibility. So the X Men, the X Men had recently gone to a scroll planet. Mm-hmm. But when I was rereading this uh, a couple years ago, like rereading all of the Davis stuff around this time i did skip the 12 because i was like nope i've got this one i've done it before i don't need i don't need this one again (laughs) i own this comic too i have this physically it's really upsetting to me oh my goodness i can't imagine me wanting to give that trade to somebody oh no i mean it just doesn't work as a crossover you know what i mean like there's these dumb there, there's two issues of X-Men involved in this, one of which is basically him sort of fighting the Fantastic Four. And then at the mm-hmm. very last page, getting attacked by Caliban, who is now the Horseman of Pestilence. That's one page. And yet that entire comic book yeah. is considered part of this series. Uh, and then we get to the next X-Men series, X-Men issue. And I, I don't I don't even know, like. It's it's really not interesting. Like it doesn't really have much to do with the story. Yeah, man, it's not good. This whole thing's weird and I don't understand what they're doing here. And also it's boring and it's long. It's 10 issues. There's one good issue of Cable. Um which is just nice. It's Cable thinking about all of his family and friends yeah that's 76 by the way not 75 no 75 is bad and does have the rob having a very bad looking cable it's bad rob it ain't good man it's 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 not good it's it's not um and the whole thing is is not good like it's it's nonsense story it's trying to tie together all these different elements it's trying to get us to care about characters uh in ways that are i i i'll give it a little bit of credit there's some some mildly interesting stuff with warren kind of revisiting what 
his experience was turning into death. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think Roger Cruz illustrates that issue that that's mildly interesting. You know what I mean? Like going back through X-Men's history and, um, it's weird that it's an issue of Wolverine and that's a Warren story, but okay. Um, yeah, but I mean, they do, they, but like, aside from the, the, the very like small glimmers of light peeking out here, th- this is not something you want to read. Um, and, and a huge disappointment for anybody that was hanging on to that little, uh, cliffhanger back from X factor and going, Oh my gosh, I wonder when they're going to finally reveal what that was. It's bad. And Alan Davis, we love you. Alan Davis, you're great. Alan Davis, you are an international treasure. You didn't do good here, man. Well, and just you, it's not your fault. I no, know the word. It's not Alan Davis. Yeah, was filling in because there were there were some contract and legal issues with Chris Claremont. So he couldn't come back to the book right away. Look, he's he's so Alan Davis had to do like a two year film. Yeah. And and look, man, the the Alan Davis issues look really good. Um, they look like I, Alan Davis and Mark Farber. I, I think his artwork looks fantastic. I just um, uh, this is a mess. It's clearly not unified in any sense editorially. And it's just sort of like, yeah, so. This has got to be this like tangent and this tangent and this tangent. And then we'll have the actual wrap up of the story, which will be complete nonsense here in X-Men 97 and moving on. Yeah. All this ends up leading into another smaller crossover called Ages of Apocalypse. Right. I'm assuming. Which is different than Age of Apocalypse. I'm assuming that's not very good. It's like six different one issue alternate realities that okay. don't really wrap up. It's just like, oh look, Apocalypse is here now, or Scott Apocalypse, or whatever. <laughs> and then it just ends, and Scott disappears. And then we get searched. And then for eventually Cyclops. they do this. Eventually, it takes a little bit to get there. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, where are we putting this on so the this list? Because this ain't great. Uh, it's, it's not as good as X Men Liberators at three fifty seven or. Magneto Rex at 358. Better or worse than X-Men Forever by Fabian Nicieza and Kevin McGuire. Forever shorter. <laughs> and it is more cohesive. I will give it that. I mean, it's jumping Forever around. Forever has a lot, higher highs. But yeah, uh, I think X-Men Forever is better um, at 362. So how low do we go? It's not. Mm, is it as bad as Eve of Destruction? I don't think it's. I don't think it's as bad as Eve Destruction. Um, yeah, because Eve of Destruction gets into just. It's I not mean, good territory. Yeah, a bit. It's about as nonsensical as the Shatterstar Saga, if we're being honest. Like, and it's about as enjoyable as the original X Men versus Avengers crossover in the Silver Age. Let's put it between those. <laughs> okay, two. perfect. Let's put it between those two. <laughs> Um, it can be our 365. Great. Guys, this was, this was one of the lowest total episodes we've done in a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I th- look, these are things that are kind of like, I mean, the 12, you're going to probably hit it if you're doing a, a continuity run to begin with, but these other stories are interesting, but I, I don't know that any of them are essential. So, uh, it's a real grab bag this week. Yeah, it's a bad bag. Um, <laughs> this is a bag of bad comics that you shouldn't uh, do. And we have Jeremy Thomas again to thank for that. Uh, Jeremy did go on over to Patreon. He did throw money our way. Um, and he did support the show monetarily. If you want to be like him, you can do all of those things. Uh, and you'll get like your own episode built around your own specific wants and desires. <laughs> um Otherwise, you know, maybe tell a friend or leave a review if you want. I don't know how algorithms on iTunes work. People say reviews work, and other people say reviews don't do anything. I don't really know. I feel like if I'm an algorithm, total downloads and the delta in that is going to be a big indicator for me versus someone going through and leaving a review. Reviews seem like artifacts, but what do I know? I literally don't. I literally know nothing. Um, everyone just likes reviews, so leave me a review and I'll read it, and I'll feel better. Um, Adam doesn't see the reviews, and that's only because he doesn't look. 
I mean, I, I may glance occasionally. So if, if you would like uh, me glancing, uh, please. We we like compliments. I, I like a good compliment. Hey, Adam, if people want to see more of your glances or compliment your good artwork, <laughs> where can they find you? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Uh, Zach, where can people find you? XavierFiles.com. It's where we have all the latest, greatest X-Men you know, stuff. We're getting ready for Ten of Swords. There's so many swords. And we're your number one sword content provider. Um, so <laughs> get ready for those swords, baby. We're, we're racing them high. There's going to be a mail order sword uh, service starting up from XavierFiles.com. The... We got all kinds of friggin' swords. <laughs> you just mail in the UPC codes and then, uh, you know, just put them in a little envelope and you get a katana. Sword, 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 swords. <laughs> uh, speaking of swords, we would also like to thank... Uh, Friend of the show, Christy Edelman, for doing that uh, nice job resurrecting us. Thank you. Uh, Christy Luna Saturnine did uh, bring us back from dead, and we are no longer uh, stuck as uh, immortal beasts forced to walk the earth for all eternity. Thank goodness. Um, which is nice. Next week, Adam, do you know what Do you know what us two red-blooded American men are going to talk about? Oh, man. I just saw it in the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about the ladies. The ladies. <laughs> it's a, it's an all ex-women week. And all the best X-Men are women. We all know this. This is this is a fact. This is a fact that has grown beyond any of us. Mm-hmm. However, all of the best X-Men stories that focus exclusively on women are of varying quantity and due to cultural and societal issues around who gets to tell stories in these fields, they can be misogynistic and gross. So we're going to deal with that next week. Yeah, we got, we got some stuff to talk about. So tune in then. Oh, <laughs> uh, the person who's drawing one of the comics next week is best known for erotica. Oh, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> can't wait guys and until then you can you can you can you can you can eagerly wait as we talk about comics i'm not looking forward to uh next week um experience hope you survive it bye get it